This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Those confidential chats we had while resting in the shade. You know, I, I think I'm notorious for this. My children, when I call them as an individual, they go, oh, we're going for one of those talks. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I know fathers, we, we all do that. You know, so thank you. Thank you for those chats. Uh, this letter comes to thank you and for needed words of praise. The counsel and the guidance, too, uh, that shaped my grow, grown-up days. No words of mine can tell you that the things I really feel. So for dads in the house today, on behalf of everybody, I say thank you. Uh, next. But you must know my love for you is lasting, warm, and real. You made my world a better place. And through the coming years, I'll keep these memories as you are, uh, memories of you as cherished souvenirs. Fathers, I want you to know today, uh, even though I was 10 when my dad passed on, I still have many, many memories of my dad. Amen? So some of the things we do, you think the children don't see, they see. They see. And uh, years later, they're going to come to appreciate you. Uh, somebody said, a teenager said when he was 14, he said his father knew nothing. He was an ignorant man. But by the time he turned 21, he, was, he began to wonder how in seven years his father had learned so much. <laughs> what happened to him is simple. When he was a teenager, he was not smart enough to understand the things his dad was doing in his life. You know, but when he grew older, he began to appreciate the wisdom of the father. So today, it might seem like the children, oh, this child is rebelling, this child is not acting right. They will come, they will come back to that faith where you have established them in the name of Jesus. So today, I want us to appreciate all the dads and the granddads and the moms that are acting as dads and everyone that plays the role of a father today. And as we say thank you, I want to say three things, three reasons why we should say thank you. Number one is we want to thank our dads for their material provision. Amen. The scripture says those that compare themselves by themselves are not wise. One of the things that causes people to be ungrateful is because they are comparing people with people. So the fact that one father was able to buy a car and gift to their child, and my dad didn't gift me with the car, does not make him less of a father. Uh, praise the Lord. But there are many other ways in your life that your father, your dad, is providing for you. You are not homeless. I know that for a fact. I know every family in this church. You are not naked. You're clothed. You came to church clothed this morning. Amen. So dads are providers. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 
and verse 8, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, we were talking to uh, a couple many years ago, and as we were talking, the man said to us, he said, ask my wife, every bill in the home I paid, everything, without exception. At the time, I was not. <laughs> I didn't tell him. <laughs> I just said in my heart, Lord, I like that kind of anointing. Help me get there. And I can say to the glory of God, God has answered that prayer. Yeah. What is he saying? He was saying, in my home, I'm a provider. I'm a provider. You may not be able to pay all of it, but do the best you can. And many dads are doing that today. For our dads, I want us to put our hands together for their provision. Watch this. It says anyone. When it says anyone, anyone is anyone. You notice it didn't say the husband that does not provide for the family. Can you pull up that scripture? 1 Timothy 5, 8. It says, if anyone does not, anyone, if anyone does not provide for his family, that person is worse than an unbeliever. So when it says anyone, it means the mother can also provide. The dad can provide for sure. And my prayer for every dad under the sound of my voice is that you'll be able to provide for your family without leaning or having to look to your wife in the name of Jesus. So whatever she provides will be a support. You know, uh, my, I've said this many times already this morning. My dad died when I was 10. Uh, when he retired from federal service, he retired quite comfortable. In fact, when he retired, he had built, uh, he built a house in our hometown and uh, moved to our hometown to settle down with his family. Uh, I was the baby of retirement, <laughs> you know. So when, when he moved back to my hometown, he had me when he was very old. Uh, when he moved back to our hometown, my house was the only house in the whole neighborhood that had a TV. So whenever, back in those days, you know, Muhammad Ali and uh, Fraser, many of you may not know. You know, that was in the early 70s. His neighbor is laughing. He remembers. <laughs> you know, the whole neighborhood will come to our house. You know, when I had those stories, those kind of stories, it planted something in me that as a man, I need to be a provider. It was a lesson I learned from my father. Amen. And I know many dads today, you're doing that. After his retirement, you know what he did? Because he had little ones like myself. In fact, uh, three years after I was born, my brother was born. So my brother was born way into retirement. <laughs> you know, so he took a job with his friend, uh, Actually, it's Kemi in the house. Kemi Akinsoya, Dr. Kemi. No? Actually, Dr. Kemi's grandfather was my dad's friend that he worked for after retiring uh, from federal service. You know? Uh, 
Why did he do that? He did that to be able to provide for his family. You know, I encourage dads, make time for the family, but children, moms, those that you're complaining, oh, he's never home, he's always out, is this, is that, is hustling to provide for the family. Amen? But there's a balance in all of these things. You know, so instead of uh, uh, nagging him or complaining all the time, encourage him. We see all you're doing. Thank you for providing for us. So to the dads in the house, I say thank you for providing for your families. You know, a, a very sad thing happened when I was in high school. When I was in high school, there was a friend of mine. You know, a bunch of us were just walking, and uh, we saw this man, you know, <laughs> when I say plow in the field, you think of a lawnmower. But when they plow fields in Nigeria, is with a cutlass, and you bent over, and you were doing that. You know, so we saw this old man, and uh, somebody said something about the old man, and uh, my friend said that was their gardener, but that was his dad. He was ashamed of his dad because of what his father did. But he's not ashamed to live under the roof that the father provided. He was not ashamed to wear the clothes that the dad bought from cutting grass. He was not ashamed of, all, of, of any of that. So I want to speak to you know, children, uh, mothers today, don't despise the dad. Don't despise him. What he's doing may be beneath him, but that is where he is today. And my prayer is that every dad that feels like they are in a place that is uh, be beneath where they're supposed to be, God will lift you up in the name of Jesus. So rather than complain, why don't you just say, thank you. Thank you. Don't remind him of how he used to be in Nigeria. Oh, you that you used to be a general manager, look at your life outside. You didn't catch that. You will catch it on the way home. <laughs> number two. Number two, instruction very quickly. Uh, number two, very quickly. Be thankful to your dad for his faithful instructions. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, he says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. So, there's an expectation of scripture that when your dad corrects you, instructs you, you are supposed to obey, you are supposed to follow. It says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them, watch this, what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. You know, growing up, because my mom was a dad, my dad died when I was 10, uh, one of the lessons I learned growing up is anything past 9 p.m. is late. I'm going to be 54 next month. Still till today, that is my mindset. 9 p.m. is too late to be going to visit anybody or calling anybody. Why? That is the discipline my mother, father, instilled in me. So the instruction your parents are giving you today will keep you from trouble. They will keep you from trouble. Uh, if you will please pull up the second PowerPoint slide. Uh, you know, when I, 
I just had this question in my, in my mind, and I went and I googled and I found these statistics online, and it shocked me. It shocked me to know these things that they are actually out there and uh, for us to learn. So when you look at this, one thing that it must do to you is it must cause you to pause and be able to say, thank you, Dad. If you don't fit into any of these statistics you're looking at here, it means your dad or the father figure in your life did their job and it kept you out of trouble. Next slide, please. Next slide, quickly. Here's a statistic. Watch this. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. This is based on a U.S. Department of Health and Census. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That is 32 times the average. Watch this. What you must, maybe pause, pause, pause and look at me for a second. I should have prefaced this by saying fathers are not perfect. But trust me, there is a grace of God that is upon the fathers to help them accomplish the things that they need to accomplish. Your dad may not be like the other people that you know, but there is a grace of God that is upon his life. Why? Because he's the father in the house. Amen. So the statistics you're looking at is not talking about perfect fathers, how they prevent or uh, keep their children out of trouble. It's just saying fathers that are home and are involved in the development and the upbringing of their children, they, they instill certain values in them that help them turn out well in life. Amen. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. What does that tell you? It tells you about the value of a father. A father that is home and present in the home is invaluable. Invaluable. Next slide, please. Thank you. Father factor in drug and alcohol abuse. So this, these are secular things. This is not dossier the Lord, you know. But I love data. Maybe it's because of my research background. I love data. Data don't lie. Research at Columbia University found that children living in two-parent households with a poor relationship with their father are 68% more likely to smoke, drink, or use drugs compared to all their peers in two-parent uh, households. Teens in a single mother household are at a 30% higher risk than those in two-parent households. It doesn't mean the other side is perfect. It just tells you. The point I'm trying to make here, I'm not arguing against anything I'm arguing for. And my argument to you this morning is fathers are valuable. Fathers are valuable. There are many things that some mothers do to circumvent the authority of fathers in the home. Don't do it. Don't do it. You are a mother. Be the mother. Let the father be the father. 
You know, the way the father will handle situation is different from the way the mother will handle the situation. So when the man is taking charge, don't just wait and then just pull the child behind and say, don't mind daddy. You just defeated the whole purpose. Amen? Uh, <laughs> Let, let's continue. Let's continue. <laughs> let's continue. Let's continue. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this now. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. It didn't say from homes, uh, those that are not included, they are not from homes with perfect fathers. So I'm not talking about a perfect father. I'm just talking about a father that is involved in the upbringing of their child. Right? Watch this. 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. Next slide. The father factor. Father factor in crime. A study of 100, and I'm sure you can read this yourself, but here's the point. Here's the point. Watch this. Watch this. It says 42% of people that grew up in single house, uh, parent household and 60% uh, and 16% that lived with neither parent. Uh, so that study uh, covered those people. Next slide, please. Next slide. Next slide. Quickly. Is there a problem with our system? Father factor in uh, education. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. We've seen that already. Children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. This, this is studies that have been done with cohorts of people, and this is the conclusion. So you have a dad in the home that is involved. Appreciate him. It's, that's all I'm saying this morning, or this afternoon, rather. Amen? Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Next slide. Incarceration. Even after, you know, factoring and, uh, you know, for controls, Income that okay, people low income, high income, and all of that. They factored all of that into this study, and what they found is in 2002, the Department of Justice this is the Department of Justice now surveyed 7,000 inmates and they found that 39% of jail inmates lived in mother only households. Approximately 46% of jail inmates in 2002 had a previously incarcerated family member. One-fifth experienced a father 
in prison or jail. Next slide, please. And I think that's the last slide. That's the last slide. And that's, that's the link to uh, the study there. Why am I showing you this this morning? It's important to understand that when the scripture says, my son, my son, listen to your father's instruction. It's significant. It's important. God has placed the dad in that family for a reason, for a, a very important reason. And you have seen from statistics that homes where the dad is not able to function as dad can spell problem in the future. Praise the Lord. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. So if you have a father in your life, why don't you say thank you, dad? Thank you, daddy. We thank all our dads in the house today. And there's a flip side to this as well. Watch this. Listen close. Listen. So we're talking about the value of the dad in the home. It's important that the dads also don't exasperate their children. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Ephesians 6 and verse 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You know, there's a story that I read uh, of a man, uh, when he was in school, he played baseball. Uh, and he played professional baseball. So he was very good at it. You know, so when he grew up, got married, he had a son, the son started playing baseball, right? Guess what? Proud dad, yeah? So he went to every game that his son played at. Every practice, he went there, encouraging the son so the son can be really good at it. The only mistake he made was on the way home, the only thing he talked about was what the son did wrong. He said, son, when you batted the ball this way, you should have set yourself at this angle or running to base, I don't know, baseball, you know, uh, and the innings and everything. He always saw the fault. Always, always. One day the boy said to him, Dad, could you not start with what I did wrong? Can you at least start with what I did right? In correcting a child, there's a principle generally in correction. Uh, the sandwich principle. You start with something soft, and then you put the rebuke in the center, and then you end it with something soft. You know, I do that uh, from time to time. You know, so I start by praising you, then I tell you what you did wrong, then I tell you, you know, uh, something nice to end it. It's important with children. So your children, they don't feel like daddy doesn't see any good in me. Very, very important. Uh, be the coach, not the critique. Be the coach and not the critique. And number three, finally, thank God for your dad for godly example. You know, the first uh, example of church I had was my dad. Every Sunday, my dad went to church. And he went to church twice. He went to church in the morning, and he went to church in the evening. And he was an elder at the church. He had his seats always reserved for him. And because I was the son of his old age, my two older brothers were abroad. I was like the son that was old enough to go out with him. I went with him to church every time. You know, 
and that when I gave my life to Christ, church was not strange to me. You know what I'm saying? You know, so fathers, teach your children the value that they can emulate. Godly example. Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? You notice what he didn't say is, he didn't say, follow me in everything I do. He said, any Christ-like example you see in me, follow. And he was there to give them examples. Fathers, I want you to know today, your children are looking up to you. They may not sit down and say, oh, I'm studying daddy today. No. In everything you do, you know, <laughs> uh, there's a story I read of a dad that uh, all he knew to do was talk about the church. People are hypocrites in church. They are this, they are that. The children are hearing it. The only thing he succeeded in doing is convincing that child to be a hypocrite themselves. Because if the people in church are so bad, they are hypocrites, you go to the same church and you smile with those people. The people you say are terrible. They hear you talk on the phone. Oh, did you see brother such and such today? Did you see sister such and such today? You saw what they did. You, and you say all of that. And then they come to church with you. And then you see the brother such and such. You say, ah, God bless you, my brother. And you're telling them, you're telling people to their hearing that people in church are hypocrites. You have just developed and built up a hypocrite yourself. You know, a bigger one. Uh, so very important. I, I talked about this already. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul said, just uh, follow me. Follow my example as I follow Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. I'm going to conclude by reading an excerpt to you, something I read somewhere, a confession by a father, a sad confession. So what I've said today, very simple, fathers are very valuable. Amen. And it is important that you as a father, myself as a father, that I value myself as a father and my contribution in my family. Amen. Watch this. Uh, I don't have a PowerPoint slide for this. But this is a sad confession by a father. Say, I took my children to school, but not to church. I taught them to drink, but not of the living water. I enrolled them in little league, but not Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but not to be fishers of men. I made the Lord's Day a holiday rather than a holy day. I taught them that the church was full of hypocrites and made the greater hypocrite of them and myself. I gave them a color TV but provided no Bible. I handed them the keys to the car but did not give them the keys of the kingdom. I taught them how to make a living, but failed to bring them to Christ, who alone can make a life. Please rise to your feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, 
visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.